You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. As I've been thinking about these texts this morning that we, or throughout the week that we've been, that we've read, um, some things came to my mind, um, and I've got some fond memories um, of my grandfather as I was growing up. Um, World War II II vet, um, scrappy, and he always had a thought to mutter under his breath. Um, He was a golden glove boxer in the Navy, uh, and he taught us a a thing or two. He taught us how to fight, um, and he also taught us that there's no time out on the front lines of battle, and he also taught us how to get up and keep pushing forward. A couple things he, he taught us that he may not have, may not have been aware that, that made sense or, or, or made as deep of an impact as it is. To this day, my grandfather, 90-something years old, still leans down and ties my grandmother's shoes for her every morning. They don't have very much, but every birthday of their grandkids, their great-grandkids, their children... They remember it, and they send us cards, and they have many of them. The spirit of my grandpa, though scrappy, though tough, has always been caring and has always been for the sake of others. Now, church, we come to this season of ordinary time where in the Sunday morning liturgy, we're a bit pulled back on some things. We're pulled back to, to compared to what we are in Christmas or Easter season. Um, we now say the Psalms. We don't sing certain things. Um, things are a bit more simple. And maybe you prefer it that way. Maybe you don't. Um, but wherever you land on this, um, we're, we're in this season together. And as I've considered the season that we're in, I tend to be drawn towards the understanding that though we are in ordinary time, we're still very much in the season of Pentecost. And I think the pairing of the two of Pentecost and ordinary time as the same season draws an interesting connection for us. But let's hold off on talking about that. But as we saw in 2 Kings, this power, this spirit of power that we saw has come down, has taken Elijah, and in turn has passed on to Elisha. The spirit has been passed on has done some great things. Last week, we heard about an instance of Elijah calling down fire um, on a bull to consume a bull, and along with that, took 400 false prophets out. After that, we also see the spirit of come to Elijah, not in the wind or the fire or in the storm, but in the stillness. And that spirit has now taken Elijah up. into heaven in chariots of fire and we saw once and we see it again where he parts the Jordan River for Elisha. This reminds us of this parting of of the river and walking along on dry ground of the spirit, the same spirit that was with Moses and Aaron with the Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And the same spirit is also the same spirit that hovered over the deep in creation. Now, as we come to our gospel readings, the disciples of Jesus have seen 
a rejection of Jesus in the town of Samaria. As they've seen this rejection, they ask Jesus if they want them, or if he wants them to call down fire upon this city. You see, at this time, the stories of Elijah were fresh in the mind of these disciples, especially when this Messiah was to come in that same spirit as Elijah. But we see an interesting response from Jesus. Rather than approval for this act, Jesus rebukes these men for doing such a thing. So we see that the ministry of Jesus has come in the power of Elijah, but the destruction that has come is not to the lives of the people. The destruction that has come is to the slavery and bondage of the serpent, that cunning serpent back in the garden. Now when we, now some manuscripts read the rebuke to these disciples in this way. You don't know what spirit you are of, for the Son of Man has not come to destroy, but to save. In that we are reminded that the spirit that once spoke through the prophets is now speaking through the Son. So the fire of the prophets has now been carried out through Jesus and not the destruction of humanity, but the melting away of the hard, cold heart to put put it ablaze for the sake of others. Then Galatians gives us the fruit of the Spirit that is working now in us as disciples of Jesus. We see that the fruits are not fruits of destruction and uncontrollable forces, but of peace, of patience, of kindness, of generosity, of faithfulness, of self-control. So that just as we see Jesus back in our gospel reading invite these would-be followers into a deeper life, we are able to follow into that deeper life because we know that no matter how hard and difficult it may be, we can rest in the work of the Spirit. Bringing us back to this idea of ordinary Pentecost time, where though we've pulled things back, and though the days may seem more mundane, though your life isn't exploding with Spirit-filled moments, the Spirit is still at work. And for most of us, on the day today, Now, how is he at work? He may be at work when we are caring for our children, when we are longing to find some kind of comfort or when we get frustrated or angry with them. We have the opportunity rather than to respond in that anger, but to be patient with them, to care for them. When it's a coworker that's frustrating us, when it's a a a roommate or family member that we just don't see eye to eye with. The Spirit gives us the opportunity rather than to enter into our anger, into our frustration, to enter into those fruits of patience, of love, of kindness. Now, I'm not denying that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in exciting ways. 
as we've seen in other instances throughout the letters of Paul, and I'm sure some of you have many stories where the Spirit is doing great things that are unusual. But maybe for us today, as we can consider how the fruits of the Spirit are inviting us to enter into an unhurried, non-anxious lifestyle. This lifestyle is not one of forceful conjuring up in our own effort, but is one that is connected deeply to Jesus. I start to think of passages where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me, I will give you rest. So this isn't words of a God that is expecting you to muster this all up on your own, but one that says, stay connected to me. Drink from me and you will never thirst again. Abide with me. Abide in me. This is a life that is deeply connected to Jesus. A life that is being shaped and formed not by the chaos of our news feed, but by the gentle spirit of Jesus inviting us in to a whole life formation dependent on his work and the gifting of the Holy Spirit. So we're not caught amiss by the humdrum of our society, but rather consumed by the Spirit to serve and be present to those that God has placed before us. Because in reality, Pentecost is always our new ordinary time for the church living in the power of the Spirit. In following the works of the Spirit, some some of us may be called into a lifestyle that doesn't fit the ideal of what we were preparing before us. Maybe it doesn't fit into this idea of, here's how I want this to happen, here's when I'm gonna do this, and this is where I'm gonna go, and this, as we, as we hear in scripture, man plans his ways, but God guides his steps. But as Jesus has presented this life to these people along this path of radical abandonment, so he is doing with each of us today. Now remember, and he knows, because he took on our weakness. He took on our life. He came in the flesh, remembering that we will fail and that we will mess up and break with our kids or coworkers or friends or family or roommate. But even in that, the work that has been set out for us is not to bind us in fear because of our failures, but to set us free to pour out the fruits of the Spirit on others. Because it has been all poured out upon us exponentially more through Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. Isn't this why we proclaim the mystery of faith? That Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Isn't that why when we take of his body and blood, we are recognizing that the sacrifice that has been given to us and in turn offer up our own lives because of that very sacrifice. So that now we've become a living sacrifice, which is our spiritual worship. Romans 12. 
that is available to us, a deeper life at rest in the work of the Spirit. Which brings me back to my grandpa, Don. Though scrappy and tough, the Spirit has been given, the Spirit that has been given to him is that of a non-anxious presence, selfless care, and tending to the needs of others making those in his life feel more precious and valued after coming in contact with him. Maybe as I, as I consider my grandpa Don, maybe, maybe you think of someone that comes to your mind. Or maybe you're just becoming aware of someone that models that for you, that same spirit that they may be in this room today that, you can't, that you're thinking of. I ask today that the Lord would grant me that same spirit living in my Uncle Don, or my Grandpa Don, that carries all the way back to Pentecost. And that each of us trusts that Jesus has granted the Holy Spirit to us, empowering us to live to the present reality of the kingdom of God he has placed before us. Now as we prepare to come to the altar where the greatest work of the Spirit has occurred, let us take a moment to ask God to reorient, to change, to shift our lives, to make us available to the work that the Father is already doing. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.